is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. It's only Christmas on the JEC podcast and this is our Christmas special where we've assembled a full team of JEC people working behind the scenes for their review of 2020. JECpodcast.com Well, welcome to a very special Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast, our Christmas special. And hopefully you're listening to this on Christmas Day with our Christmas Day special Friday Spotlight. If you're catching up with us over the course of the festive holidays, I hope you had a good one and that you enjoyed some kind of normality because it has been a year that has been far from normal, 2020. And to review that very strange and weird year, I've assembled some of the hardest working people from the Jaguar enthusiast club all on one call on one interview uh, i think they call this zoo format on the radio but we'll work out how it figures out as we go through we've got lots of people so let's meet them all we'll start in the top corner of my screen because we're using zoom and we're all familiar with zoom now oh, let's start with graham uh, graham Searle. hello graham Hi, Wayne. Give us a couple of words on 2020 for you uh, well i'm actually at home working from home which i've done more than ever and that that has been the uh, interesting thing this year the, the number of people and the way we've had to work from home and the uh, it's been been enjoyable to a large extent um but it just means a total change in the year for everybody uh, and i think we've coped very well with it and uh, hopefully we can get back to some form of normality in the new year but uh, we wouldn't want to repeat this year but there has been some highlights Absolutely. Well, of course, we talked about the story of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club with Graham on a previous episode of the podcast. Uh, go back and check that out if you haven't yet listened to it. Uh, but also we have our one of our regular guests here on the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast, Richard West, with some more of his memories. Hi, Richard. Hey, how you doing, Wayne? It's been fantastic to relive some of your motorsport memories over the last 12 months. It's been fantastic. And I've also enjoyed greatly listening in to the other contributors on the podcast as well. I mean, your, your recent chat with the guys out in Texas, fantastic. You know, Dallas, I remember very well from many years ago, the Grand Prix there. And just to hear what people are doing in other parts of the world in what, you know, Graham's already said, are difficult times. But some really uplifting stuff on the podcast. And it's been a a great pleasure being involved with it with you. Also, we have on the call Andy Weber as well, who occasionally drops in to the JEC podcast to give us an update on events and all the different club membership benefits you can enjoy as a member of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club. Hi, Andy. It's been a crazy year for you, mate, isn't it? Uh, it certainly has. Um, probably events have been impacted uh, more than anything in, in 2020. Um, I suppose uh, organising uh, Newby Hall twice and cancelling it twice, um, was probably one of the uh, the lowlights of the of the year but unfortunately we have missed out on many other events as well Wayne. well we'll talk about some of the highs and lows of the year in more detail in a second as we go through this christmas special jc podcast as i introduce now another regular to the jc podcast we started the series with tom answering all of your technical questions and that kind of evolved over the series to a motorsport diary from tom where he shared with us all of his fantastic insights into making an already quick car go faster and fix it a lot along the way uh, but tom robinson here from swallows independent jaguar hi tom hi way it's been good having you on tom it was quite a challenge really for us to throw you in the deep end answering everyone's questions wasn't it from the start but uh, you picked them up quite well i thought yeah it was it was pretty interesting and um i have to say thanks to you wayne i mean logistically it was a little bit awkward 
as you know, we recorded some of it live in the car and you had to deal with a lot of the editing, which I think you did actually a brilliant job of sorting out my mess of, uh, of clips. But hopefully, hopefully um, was interesting to everyone and it was really interesting for us to give you a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what we're up to. Well, it's been great to be travelling along with you, really, Tom, because it was a shortened season, wasn't it, this year for the race season? And you must have been itching during lockdown to get out in the car racing. We didn't really expect to be racing at all, so it was an absolute massive benefit for us to actually get out on track. Um, looking at it on a positive benefit, we had more time over that to prepare the car, and we actually finished up having my best result ever which was second overall fantastic well we'll talk a little bit more about your expectations for the season ahead in 2021 later on this episode tom so uh, stick with us as we meet a new member of the jc team hiya kathy hello <laughs> now kathy explain to everyone who might not have spoken to you yet or might not have met you yet uh, how long you've been with the jc and what your job is um, I started in September, so I'm a membership service assistant, so I'm here to look after all of the members and with any of their queries. So when we pick up the phone and ring the office, it's you that we get the pleasure of speaking to, is it? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. Brilliant. Well, we'll find out more about Cathy, what she likes, what she gets up to in her spare time and other interesting information in just a moment. Uh, James, uh, General Manager of the JEC, you've been holding the fort throughout a very turbulent year, but... The team has come together well, hasn't it? And in particular, you've managed to get all the systems running to keep the JEC forging forward despite the challenges we've had. Hi, Wayne. Yeah, no, well, I can only take some of the credit. It's um, yeah, it's been an interesting year. Um, I've made you know, made this uh, the, the systems and the, the new procedures, and I think a note of, of one of the lessons that we learned through this year. But uh, you know, it's one of those when we look back, we planned the, the systems and uh, you know graded our various phones and and database systems connection it, it was never with this scenario in mind but um it just goes to show doesn't it but uh, you know everybody's been superb and um you know be, without any of the hard work which uh everybody's put in we would we wouldn't all still be sat here now um you know sort of getting ready for christmas so it's it's been yeah testament to everybody really and I suppose this is your sort of first year, really, taking on the role of general manager. So certainly one where you hit to hit the ground running, really. Yeah, thanks for that. Let's not do it again. <laughs> well, you've done a stunning job, James, and we'll find out more about some of the challenges you've overcome as we go through this episode. But uh, the big position I've left till last, because on the call, we also have the chairman of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club, Ray Searles. Hi, Ray. Hello, Wayne, and uh, happy Christmas to everyone who's listening. Well, Ray, uh, here we are. I can't quite believe it's Christmas already. And let's start with you then, looking back over 2020. And we start in January, where we started the year full of energy, full of excitement, as we were promoting very heavily the Summer Jaguar Festival to be held at Newby Hall. And we were just about to go live with day ticket sales. And things were coming together really nicely with that event, weren't they? We had the moving motor show that we'd announced, and it looked like it was going to be a really bumper year in 2020. Things started well, didn't they? Uh, they certainly did. And, you know, people who know me well enough will know I'm pretty much a glass half full person. Uh, and even though we could hear hear things beavering away in China and, and places like that, we did our best to keep things moving. And I think the team had a really, really great event lined up. And then, of course, it all started to get, get worse and worse as, as things went on. And... Uh, you know, it, it soon became clear that it was going to be challenging to put on any sort of event, let alone what we had planned. So um, 
Yeah, it was that, that those couple of months, I think, were particularly difficult because knowing exactly when to make the right announcements and um, when to tell people was was very challenging. And, and I guess looking back, you could say we got some of the communication wrong, but most of the time, all the guys involved were doing their very best with the information we had at the time, which, as you know, and I think everybody knows, was changing by the minute. You know, and and we had to work with that. Um, but but full credit to everybody um, er, around managing that. Well, of course, the first thing we did was to postpone the Summer Jaguar Festival and try and still run it because it's amazing to think of it now. But back then, we just didn't know how long this thing would be with us. And we tried to put it on in July, didn't we? we tried to push it into August and later on in the year. But it soon became apparent that events were going to continue to hamper us right through uh, until the end of 2020. Looking back over how the club has sort of changed to adapt, what's one of the things you're most proud of that the Jaguar Enthusiast Club has managed to do despite the fact that we've all been locked down and, and no one's been able to have any events? Um, I, well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to hope you'll allow me two things. Because the first thing is exactly what we're doing now. I think getting the podcast started from scratch, from, a, from an early conversation at the beginning of March to delivering how many episodes is it? 30? 36, this will be, yeah. With thousands of subscribers. I tell you what, Wayne, it, you know, full credit to you. You've done a superb job. And, you know, you've, you've talked about the contributors and they're going to be, be featured later. They've all done an amazing job. So I'm, I'm really proud of, of this because it's something we often talked about but never did. So if anything, you know, dear old COVID-19 gave us, gave us the kick to actually get something started, to keep connecting with members in different ways. Um, and the other thing is, is uh, I'm really proud of is I, you have to give credit to to James uh, in particular and to Graham um, for keeping the club going when we had to close the office, taking phone systems that didn't work properly uh, and managing all that. You know, you, we can't thank Graham and James enough for, for what they did through that first few weeks to keep the club connected with its membership and, and keep the services going and I think you know they really really deserve a vote of thanks from all of us and I'm, I'm really proud of the way they responded uh, and they should be too because they, they did a super job. Absolutely well it has been a challenge for so many people out there in the in the world it's been a challenge for all businesses and the Jaguar Enthusiast Club like so many has had to adapt and looking back on how we did start that podcast it was a frenetic amount of energy that had to go into it and i remember doing several long late nights getting websites set up and hosted and lining up interviews and um yeah there were several nights where the sun went down and then came back up again and we were still working to get that podcast out and while we went to that amount of effort really is is to bring the Jaguar community together across the world in a time where we couldn't meet in person and have the usual events and, and regional get-togethers that we would normally enjoy. Um, and I have to say thanks to Wynne Percy, who was our very first guest on the podcast, who took a call from me 
on an Easter Good Friday in the morning saying, I really need that interview win. And he said, let's do it now. And literally on a drop of a hat, gave us that superb interview that created the first and second ever episodes of the Jag Enthusiast Club podcast. So I think those episodes will go down in history just as Wynn has done in his own career as well. Um, I'll bring you in, Graham, now, because... We've talked about the Summer Jaguar Festival, the national festival, of course, and some of the things early on that the JEC did there to quickly engage members and keep the family and the community together and talking. But as someone who talks to the regions on a monthly basis, weekly basis, it must have been a real challenge for those guys as it suddenly dawned on everyone that our regional meetings, those monthly meetings and events throughout the year where uh, JC members in a particular part of the country get together, they couldn't happen anymore. That's correct, Wayne. It, it has caused quite a lot of problems, particularly in the early days when perhaps the instructions weren't clear. You know, can we have a meeting? Can we go for a run? Um, unfortunately, thanks to the way we've uh, put it onto the website and kept it clear, um, all of our regions really have adhered to the advice and a lot of them, of course, have uh, caught on with the new technology, particularly Zoom. So if you think about successes for this year from the regional aspect, then it has to be Zoom. Those regions that have picked it up, we've got some amazing things go on, like um, uh, drive it days and actually driving out through a map, through virtual mapping, shall we say, um, to grab for a run. They've had a, a Skittles match, one of our regions held. Um, I still don't know how they managed that one. But it's quite uh, instructive. And, of course, what's also happened is they've had quite a lot of guest interviews. Richard's done quite a few. Um, Ray has. And I do think that's a way forward because it saves a lot of expense um, and has attracted quite a lot more interest. So whilst it's been a dreadful year for them in getting out and about, and it's also given us time because we've got a regional committee to look at the boring bits, the paperwork side of uh, running a region, because regions change dramatically every year. And there's a load of things people need to know, and they don't. A lot the club can help them with. So we have spent all this so-called close season putting together a vast amount of paperwork to advise regions, to assist regions going forward on how they can do things with the club name you know, involved and how they can run events and how, how they should be running their own meetings and running AGMs, etc. So there has been a lot of good come out of it albeit from a social point of view, it's been pretty disastrous. Do you think there's a, a pent-up demand building out there, Graham, for the moment when we can all be let out? <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, yeah there's going to be cars everywhere, isn't there? And uh, I think we'll be inundated at some of our events um, uh, when we can uh, eventually start holding them safely again. So we've covered a couple of key important aspects there of club life, but let's have a little chat to Tom now about what it was like through those early parts and that initial most severe lockdown earlier in 2020 in the trade. And Tom, you were there at the front line. You were able to stay open, weren't you? Because even during the first lockdown, um, garages servicing cars were able to remain open. But tell us some of the challenges of, as a business working in the Jaguar arena that you've had to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne. As you said, we were classed as essential. Now, when those kind of announcements were first made, it was where is that line of what classes is essential. So the first part of the business that we thought we weren't going to be able to trade was the racing side because 
we automatically assume that that's not part of any general maintenance or an emergency on a car. So um, first of thing, uh, the first thing we put into place was to essentially look after the staff, decide what we were going to do. Um, we've had a couple of our technicians here that have got vulnerable people at home or in their family. So some of them had to shield. So we made quite an early decision to limit the amount of technicians we had here. Same with the amount of people in the office. But to be completely honest with you, Wayne, we've actually have been really overwhelmed with the amount of demand we've had for workshop services over the COVID period. So um, a lot of people have used the time, I guess, while they're not using the car to get some of the, the jobs that they've been putting off, I suppose is a word. But we had to adapt quite quickly. We stopped people coming in and out. We did key drop-offs where we could. And like what um, Graham and James have mentioned with some of the backroom systems, we put in a similar system here where instead of kind of personal contact, they would get visual emails of all the components on the cars that have failed. So we can try and get everything approved essentially online before to stop them coming in here. So we can just go ahead with all the work that's needed on the car. And you and I spoke as the podcast developed about several themes that were starting to emerge with members' cars that were coming to you for help. And one of those in particular was down to cars being laid up or used only in very short journeys over that long period of time. I think we had like 12 weeks of people just using them no further than round the block to the supermarket and there was there was some trends starting to appear amongst cars that were actually suffering from that weren't they absolutely so um going down the whole route of the diesels that's the most common for lack of use they've got a lot of uh, emissions related systems that unfortunately need use so when they're parked and used for short journeys which most people were only using short journeys they were nipping to the shop or doing whatever they needed to do and limiting that to maybe once or twice a week these cars needed to be used almost hard and fast they need to see motorway use and they need to see average speeds for all of these emission systems uh, to function properly now we're still actually seeing problems from that early onset now as everyone has said most people are still working from home cars are still only being used for that although some of the restrictions are being lifted we're still seeing those problems and one of the the other problems that's been a knock-on effect is the mot extension so um, the mot's were extended for about six months i believe um, and is what that has done is is obviously a lot of people have put their mot off till this year or to to now as such um, and it's just moved that window to basically do a year's MOTs in six months almost. So we've got like a three-month waiting list for service and MOT, which is just unheard of. So it, there's other knock-on effects that are, are going to come later, I think. And how have car sales fared through all of this, Tom? Surprisingly, we expected car sales to drop off quite quickly. I think new car sales have seen a large impact on that. We've been fairly lucky um, in the fact I think we do... Um, more obviously only used cars they're a little bit older and they're quite specialist so we've actually seen that not drop off at all if anything that's increased um, but we have been struggling to purchase stock um, mainly due to um, a lot of people buying cars I think now so there's not as much of it out there and obviously some of the travel restrictions it's very awkward for us to collect cars etc and to work around what's out there i know what it's like working in a workshop especially on certain jobs where you have to have two or three of you on to i don't know remove a gearbox or something how on earth do you socially distance in a workshop tom how very difficult what we uh, kind of do now is our local testing center is really efficient on the testing now early on it was very unknown it was taking a long time but we've been pretty lucky that if anyone's kind of had any symptoms they've been able to be isolated and tested quickly so that's helped hugely but 
to be honest with you, Wayne, the workshop, we keep all the doors open. Um, the ramps are more than two metres apart. Fantastic to have an insight into how things have been from the business point of view. And we'll cover motorsport in a little bit. And motorsport has been a key part of the JC podcast as the series has developed. And from the very start, we were... Uh, enthralled by your memories of from a lifetime in motorsport as we position them Richard and we even had one of your old pals from TWR Martin Brundle join us that was a pretty special interview pretty early on in the series wasn't it it was Wayne and I, you and I talked about it beforehand and I've spoken to Martin you know up in North Norfolk a couple of days before we did it but he's a very generous individual I mean he always is prepared to spend time with those that he's worked with and respects and if you look at the career Martin's had, it's been quite remarkable, really. I mean, he, he still holds that position as one of the best international commentators. He's won countless awards over the years for his presenting style. But he's always got time for you, and he's a great communicator. Um, I think communication in this current you know, period that we've gone through this year has been absolutely critical. Some people do it very well. Sadly, other people not so well. But Martin's a bit like Bernie and other people I've worked with, Bernie Eccleston in Formula One. You know, if, they, if they've got the time, they tell you they've got it. And if they haven't, they tell you. And you know exactly where you stand. And when I dropped Martin the initial email and said in chance of a chat, you know, about doing something on air together, um, he was back to me within a day. And as you know, then we took it up and it became a, a fascinating conversation that I know you and I talked afterwards. It wandered all over the place, but I think it was fun. And it was great, great uh, credit to Martin that he made the time on a day when he was actually having to record segments for Sky F1 from home. Well, it was great to just listen in, really, to two old pals talking about their time working together. And I think that's what made that interview really special. We all got to eavesdrop on your conversation, basically. But um, what's also been special has been going through so many aspects of motorsport that perhaps we didn't understand or didn't know about or had no insight into. And because you have, you've been there and you have all of these memories, you've been able to take us all along a journey. But that must have been a journey for you as well over the past 35 weeks. Well, I think the highlight of it all actually was regularly getting a call from you at quarter to midnight on a Thursday saying, <laughs> what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> which, does, which bears out Ray's comments about how hard you work on the podcast. But no, in all seriousness, it is, I've always said to people, whenever I do my talks, and even when I've done my business talks, I've always felt hugely privileged to have, been working for the teams I've worked for and the individuals, whether it be the bosses, the mechanics, the sponsors, or indeed many of the drivers, of which there have been literally some 40-odd in that 35-year career I had, many of them, eight of them world champions. And I think it's fantastic to be able to have the opportunity to share some of those insights because as much as you turn on the TV and, you know, if you follow Sky F1 or you follow sports car racing or BTC or thankfully next year, due to the expansion of the um, the JEC's uh, Motorsport Championship, the Saloon and GT Championship on TV and on streaming media, you don't very often get to see behind the scenes and hear about the amazing contributions that people like Sid Watkins on the medical front and Dr. Paul Trafford here in the UK and on his international rallying work, for example, make, and the enormous efforts that go on behind the scenes. And it's been a real joy to be able to look back over some of that 
and people have said to me, I've had emails like you have saying, you know, that was a really interesting insight. I had no idea that sort of thing went on. So as Tom probably knows really well, a lot of people when the old race car goes in the garage, most people think it gets a good old polish off in February and you go out and start racing again. But it's a business like this business, the JEC, it never stops. There's always lots going on behind the scenes. And talking of business, Richard, it has been a torrid year for motorsport out there in general, hasn't it? Um even no one's been immune from it even formula one has struggled and of course we saw the sale of williams this year and who would have ever thought that would have been a situation we would have expected how do you think motorsport can go on from this in a post-pandemic world somebody i was talking to the other day quite senior in the organizational side of international motorsport said and he said it's a it's a cruel fact but he said i think there are too many championships now uh, both internationally and nationally and some of those championships ultimately will cease to be in the future. But if there is a positive side to that, you will see some of those competitors, teams and manufacturers migrate into other series. Also on the global scale, you know, it's quite interesting. Formula E, and we've talked about it before, really to me, I saw that as a great shining light. But you've recently had Audi and BMW announce that they're not competing in Formula E. In fact, Audi going back to sports car racing, you know, in a big way. And I think you're going to see a real change of the global motorsport scene and the national motorsport scenes to cope with that. Bodies like the MS uh, Motorsport UK, which was previously the Motorsport Association under the guidance of David Richards, uh, you know, with ProDrive and um, World Running fame, they're doing a lot to try and promote British motorsport. The FIA are looking very carefully at how formats run. But of course, like all sports, it's heavily reliant on live crowds. And uh, until we can get back to a situation where we can get paying audiences back in, then commercially, of course, it has its limitations when it comes to raising sponsorship and money for those competing teams and drivers. And of course, you've been working very closely with the Jaguar Enthusiast Club Race Championship, bringing it more closer to home again. And Tom, of course, is a competitor, as we know, from his motorsport diary each week on the podcast. It's been a challenging year for all of those competitors and for the club to keep that championship running and, and look forward to 2021. But there are some bright lights in the future, aren't there, for that? Yes, indeed. And I think, you know, again, there's those of us on this call that you, you kindly called out at the beginning, but behind the scenes within the JEC, certainly on the motorsport side, Colin Porter and uh, Chris Robinson have been beavering away. You know, only several days ago, you know, we made some changes to uh, the positioning of the regulations, not from a technical perspective. Tom will be glad to know we haven't tried to slow him down. Um, but what we have done is, is clarified the naming of the championship and a number of other things. And it's important because that work that gets done behind the scenes, again, never gets seen. But the championship for the future, the Jaguar Enthusiast Club Championship, certainly I think has now turned a corner. Tom and you know his fellow competitors have done a lot in a very difficult year, you know, half season. Um, with no uh, paying spectators, you know, there at, at the events and the tracks. But I think for next year, because we've we've pushed very hard and behind the scenes, as I say, Colin and James Ram and Tom and others with Chris Robinson have pushed, there is more and more streaming content going to be available in the future of the racing. And whilst it's never the same as actually going and having a day out at a racetrack and having to wander around and look in the garages and chat with the competitors and the teams and the mechanics, there is going to be more coverage. And I think, I don't think we're, I think we're a long way from being over yet with the um, C19 uh, pandemic. And I think we will have to adapt 
and those who are prepared to adapt and look at different ways of promoting themselves will find that they still have a competitive and a healthy commercial future. Well, uh, I said I'd assembled the uh, most hardest working people in the Jaguar Enthusiast Club onto this call. Uh, but we also, in addition to those people, have Andy Webber with us as well. <laughs> very low that was. He was. I take the mick because, Andy, you are very hard working and you've been even more hard working this year, haven't you? Because as Richard has outlined some of the uh, issues with sponsorship around motorsport there, you deal with all of the commercial partnerships and sponsorships that the club has and uh, you know the club has these really to bring in more benefits of membership for those people that pay that annual fee so talk us through some of the challenges that you've had yourself this year in in keeping all of our commercial partners together and keeping the club relevant for them i think there's two strands of this i think the the first strand is the fact that many of our sponsorship deals um, are linked um, to events i.e. like newbie um, and when you're not having those events then you have to find ways of, of helping this uh, different ways of helping the sponsors and i think the second strand of it is the fact that uh, all the sponsors have been affected by covid um some of them not as much as others but obviously um, that impacts on the money and the and the marketing uh, budgets um, that are available to sponsor clubs like ourselves so it's been an incredibly tricky time, um, thanks to, to uh, uh, Ray and uh, Richard and James and Graham um, for helping me with some of the contract negotiations with sponsors, because uh, some of the contracts run into several pages. And you only read Welsh, don't you, Andy? <laughs> I only read Welsh, yes. But thanks to Ray and his, uh, his, his external role, he's pretty good with contracts, uh, Ray. Well, th this is something that members might be quite interested to learn about, actually, because, you know, there are two sides to the JEC, isn't there? There is the club side, and we all go to our local regional meets, and, you know, it's very much a social club. But there is a business side to the club that a lot of members might not realise, and the business side is what brings in the revenue to put the money into the club to make sure that we can run events and also to bring in membership benefits so that people get a real tangible benefit out of paying their annual subscription and that's what it's all about isn't it well it is and um, and the business side of things certainly i've got to report to the to the board uh, on, a, on a monthly basis about what activity i've been doing what income i'm bringing into the club um, and that's always under the microscope um, and obviously, yes, helping the members. And it's all about members' benefits. And obviously, people will see the last page in the magazine and they'll see at the front of the magazine, uh, the sponsors are involved and at the end of the magazine, as I was saying, the, the members' benefits and all those companies that we've got involved uh, supporting uh, the JEC as a sponsor or supporting our members by giving them a discount with various products and services that they offer and I would encourage all the members to really have a look at all the adverts that are in the magazine particularly on the website as well to actually see all the discounts and we put them out every week as well of course in Friday Spotlight don't we which is that email that arrives in your inbox on a Friday and within that email not only is there interesting stories on the world of Jaguar and interesting stories from our community across the globe but there are genuine ways to save money in running your car and you can get these through the club and that's a great way of finding out about those benefits yeah certainly spotlight um all our major partners and sponsors are involved in spotlight they all feed into that and the stories particularly people like barrett's 
um, classic motor cars in Bridge North, Maguire's, Pirelli. They've all got regular features um, on the spotlight. And it's about uh, reading the spotlight to really understand what those um, what those discounts are to help members um, as well as on the website, like I said. But they are, they are our top sponsors. We've got to look after them. They look after us. And they enable us to run the, the, the big flagship events like Blenheim in 2019. And- well, that kind of brings us full circle to where I began with Ray, talking about those big flagship events and the difficulty that we had through 2020 with them. I mean, it must have been a low point of the year for you because I know you worked tirelessly on the organisation of the Summer Jaguar Festival when that postponement turned into a cancellation in August and it was clear that that event couldn't happen this year. Yeah, it was, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning. You know, you put a tremendous amount of of effort into organising an event like Newby Hall. You know, a year's planning goes into an event like that then it's got to be postponed and then you start organizing it all again for for a later date in the year which would have been august for us and you cram in all of that organization into a very small amount of time um because you change the date with all your all your suppliers all the people who were bringing uh, the cars the display cars you know we even had somebody book when it was going to be the uh, the presenter for the motor show um, and we had to change him as well. I don't know if you know him, Wayne. I might know of him, yeah. Yeah, we couldn't get anybody better, to be fair, so we had to stick with him. Um, but he, he would have probably done an all right job. But unfortunately, the the event didn't go uh, didn't go to plan. Well, he's easily recognised because usually at Blenheim he has a forty metre tall head. Um, but that will return in May next year. <laughs> be slightly taller, your head, because the oh, screen no. is going to be even bigger and better at Blenheim twenty twenty one. Well, that will put everyone off their lunch i'm sure but uh, hopefully we'll entertain nonetheless and uh, give everyone a good celebration and that's what it's all about isn't it in 2021 it's about celebrating well anniversaries and lots of them but principally the e-type 60th anniversary uh it is one of the most iconic british cars ever built it is a jaguar and we get to celebrate it is of course the e-type and it turns 60 next year we're one of the first events to bring together e-types and celebrate together it might not have gone unnoticed to others that uh, goodwood members meeting is clashing with us but that doesn't bother us at all does it because we know we've got some fantastic cars lined up we've already got some fantastic uh, features for the show for the sunday so it's shaping up to be a really special celebration of an iconic car it certainly is wayne and, and we are far bigger and better than goodwood when it comes to putting on jaguar <laughs> events um and um you know people see the the people don't see the planning that goes into it so yesterday it was uh, ferociously cold, uh, windy and raining at, at Blenheim Palace. But we were there with E-types, X-types, Mark 10s uh, and an XK8. We were there in all weathers yesterday. And obviously our members don't, you know, they look at the promotional shots, they see them in the magazine, but they don't maybe realise the planning that goes into Blenheim. But we had Colin and Mike there yesterday measuring out every every square metre of, um, of Blenheim so we can organise the parking at Blenheim and where the certain anniversary models go, including the E-types, of course. So there's a phenomenal amount of planning um, that go- that goes into it. But we're confident that we can put on an absolutely fantastic uh, display. 
um, as well as other features like um, a fashion a fashion show, a 60s fashion show. I mean, we've mm. got the cars there, so why not celebrate the clothes as well, yeah? I hope you've got your skirt ready, Andy. I've got my skirt ready, Good. yeah, and James has got his, uh, he's got a few fox um, uh, ready as well, James has. <laughs> he, that's the first time I broke the news to James. Uh, Ray has declined, though, to go on stage and be a model <laughs> um, at this point, but I'm working on Ray. Um, but no, it's, it's, there's an awful lot um, that, that we're planning. We will have some fantastic uh, cars there, some really rare cars. So, um, yeah, Goodwood hasn't affected as much at all, Wayne. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, as you mentioned there, the photo shoot is just a small part of the massive effort that goes into organising this event. And we were there, as you mentioned, in the rain with a whole group of members of the club who'd given their time for free, got their cars polished and cleaned and all assembled on a cold, wintry Monday morning to come and promote this event. And this is the difference you yeah you can go to these big commercial events you know that are all over the place you've seen them advertised or you can come and support the volunteers with the real jaguar passion that put on an event like we do how many people can you get to bring out their pride and joy uh, on a wet windy december um in britain um you, you, you know it's, it's very hard to do it wasn't hard for us they were local cars they loved being there they loved getting the cars out they cleaned them at least six or seven times um on the day and to be fair that's what it's all about and all the members said to us we're just happy to get the cars out well one guy poor guy we did have our xk8 breakdown but this is the strength of the jaguar enthusiast club for a story uh, an xk8 broke down on its way to the photo shoot literally yards from the front gate but uh, not deterred by this, we had volunteers on the phone and within an hour we had a replacement XK8 from down the road, found, sourced, polished and on set, ready to shoot. That, that shows you how good we are as a club, doesn't it? <laughs> I do think we've learned a lesson though, that for future photo shoots we take Tom Robinson with us just so that we've got somebody who can actually fix cars. Because yesterday <laughs> the total amount of uh, mechanical knowledge was me. And I have absolutely no mechanical knowledge at all. The highlight of my day was when you came and took my toolkit off me and I said, do you know what you're doing with that? And you said, no. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know how to open the case, to be honest, way. But I looked quite official with my toolkit going to help them out, didn't I? Well, I, it wouldn't have been the first time I'd saved someone this year, uh, mechanically speaking. And uh, because I, I did have to pull our uh, general manager off the field at Salon Privé by giving his car a jump start. Um, hiya, James. Uh, have you got your new battery sorted now? Hi, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> this, I've already this, said thank you twice. This, this was really a photograph opportunity we missed for Jaguar Enthusiast magazine, really, because it was a 30-odd-year-old XJS given a brand-new XF a jump start that was a moment i will treasure forever i'm yeah. just glad that salon privé didn't use that in any of their marketing uh, <laughs> their, their post-marketing of the event it was always going to be me is the only thing i can say about that and um, and what is it with you wayne arranging photo shoots and video shoots when it's doing nothing but pouring with rain and um, and freezing cold because the last one i attended was also pouring it down and freezing cold. And, and in much the same way, it was absolutely torrential rain for the first two hours, and then we had to cram in everything in the last two hours of the shoot. It has been the story of this year. When we finally get out, it then rains on us. It's been waiting for us to come out. If only um, Blenheim Palace could have been moved to Wales. It was tropical in Wales when I... <laughs> 
Yeah, tropical in Wales means it's just stopped raining for five minutes. So let's not give too much to that. But uh, yeah, you know, James, it has been a hard year for you, I know, because there you've been with an office that you've suddenly couldn't have anyone working together. And usually it's such a quite a close knit team that you have in the office there. But you did have technology in place and credit to you to make sure that that office could still function, even though you were all remote and working from home. A few years ago, we, we stopped and we did a, a quick look and thought, you know, OK, what's the worst scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen here? And we had a good look at our, at our systems and everything in place and realised that at that time, you know, if there was a big problem, we were going to be stumped. You know, we wouldn't be able to work effectively. There was, you know, potential of losing um, sort of key communication methods and files and that within the business. So, we, you know, with, again, credit to the, to the board and everybody else involved, we took the time and effort to invest in, in the systems that were needed so that when we, you know, when the pandemic did arrive, and as you say, we, we weren't able to come into the office, you know, bar a few sort of uh, teething problems, we were able to just, I would, I would say carry on as normal, but you know, we, you know, we were still able to, as you said, to, to keep connected and, and keep the systems going and answer the phones. And I think we've about covered everything now in, in terms of sort of getting systems working and working from home. And, uh, you know, I, I need to say live on air as well, you know, nobody deserves to spend 24 hours with me. Um, so <laughs> God bless my family, bless them. How they've put up with me uh, working from home, particularly for that first three months, I do not know. But uh, we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we, we've moved house and, um, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting year on, on many, many levels. Mm, absolutely well one of the things that has been miraculous really is that the fact that magazines continued throughout uh, the last 12 months completely uninterrupted and unhindered by the pandemic and we talk a lot about technology and about social media and about the website and they've all been crucial touch points as this podcast has been as well but members have really appreciated having that magazine drop through the letterbox and also a lot more have contributed to it because of course they've actually had stuff to write about in their own garages about the projects they've been all working on it hasn't been unusual to have a conversation with somebody who said that you know that that lovely line well you know it's been sat there for a few years and i've never quite just had the time of and all of a sudden these you know, cars are starting to reappear and stories are being written and they're all starting to come out now because people have had the, the time to do stuff and um, it's been fantastic. It did lead to, the, you know, for the other problem that, that all of a sudden, uh, you know, the phones have never been as busy as they have been. And Graham and I could be taking up to 60, 70 phone calls a day at, uh, at some point, which is, which, which was what a brilliant problem to have. You know, it really is a, a fantastic problem. How do we cope with, with the fact that our members want to talk to us? How, how do we cope with the fact that our members are, are desperate to communicate and contribute to the, to the club still in a difficult time? So yeah, absolute credit that, um, we were able to do that. And, um, you know, Hopefully we've done our best and uh, and our members have appreciated it. Um, but yeah, you know, everything still carried on. As you say, the, the magazine still went out, you know, we're still able to work on the website and update and the Friday spotlight and, you know, and then add another one to it as well with the podcast. You know, it's, um, yeah, you know, pat on the back to absolutely everybody involved from, you know, from the top right the way through to the, the volunteers. You know, we I think we've done a tremendous job to uh, to keep the club connected. 
Absolutely. Well, one of the ways that you've managed to uh, cope with the demand of communications into the office is by bringing in a new member of the team. And she's on the call because I thought it'd be nice to get Kathy on so everyone can meet her for the first time. If you've not called the office yet, you might not have come across Kathy, but uh, she joins us now. Hiya, Kathy. Hello. So how have you found it, first of all, adapting to club life uh, and you haven't had a, the easiest start having to come to us in a pandemic, have you? Let's be honest. No, it's been crazy. Um, I think I'm very fortunate to actually get this job during a pandemic as well. Um, but I've loved it. I love that. I love speaking to all the members and meeting everyone. And I'm really looking forward to next year where hopefully the events will be happening. I'll be able to get to meet everyone. Well, I know you spent a lot of time in the office and working with James to get up to speed with how office the office works and all the processes. You've also spent a lot of time, I know, getting the lads in the office organised and sorted out. I hope James has been pulling his weight making the coffee as well, because I know what he's like. I know you've had some fun, haven't you? Because you did come and join us at the track day at Castle Coombe, and you kind of had the first opportunity there to get to know Jaguars, I guess. Yeah, that was a great day. Good fun. Uh, terrifying, but great fun. <laughs> what cars did you get out in in the end i think i ran in the xk8 um was the project eight i ran out in as well i believe um yeah it was a great day so looking forward to a new year 2021 kathy uh obviously members are going to be calling you to uh, book things and to talk about membership and to talk about the club um what's some of the best things you've realized about the club in your first few weeks working for us um, I mean, everyone who works here, is, I mean, it's a lovely team. Everyone, well, I, most people are very friendly on the phone, very chatty. They've got time to talk now as well. So it's, um, I'm just looking forward to meeting everybody in the new year and hopefully get involved in all the events and get out there and meet people. Kathy's on the end of the phone at the headquarters in Bristol, should you need her. And we come back to you, Ray, where we began. And it's nice to see such a a real gelling of the team, really, despite the fact that there have been some really difficult circumstances to get through. Definitely, Wayne. And, and you know, I think Cathy's done a superb job. Most of us are amazed at what she's achieved in such a short space of time. Thank you. You're listening to the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Join the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club now at jec.org.uk. Now it's time for me to hand over the podcast to all of my guests and I'm going to allow you guys to just basically chat about some of your own memories from that weird time that we had at the beginning of 2020, the 12-week lockdown and some of the things that you guys yourselves have managed to do in your Jaguars despite the fact that our enjoyment of our cars, let's say, has been hampered somewhat. Let me start it off by saying... You know, almost almost the last memory before everything came to a grinding halt uh, was watching Graham do some version of the funky chicken uh, at the Bristol Region annual dinner and dance, which was on the seventh of March, and and that will that is forever in my memory. I'm never going to lose sight of, of of that, quite frankly. And you got any photographs? <laughs> I'm so glad that Boris waited another couple of weeks to lock us down so I had the chance to see that. That's a bit worrying because I didn't even know I could do the funky chicken. Neither <laughs> <laughs> did we. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was great because, it, I mean, it epitomised how, how, you know, we can all get involved in our local region's activities and just have a great 
social time and that 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 evening you know i think that's what we've missed so much uh really is just just having a laugh with our with our our, our friends and members who've got the same passion as we have um so certainly that's that's one of my abiding memories of of the early part of the year without doubt well one of our um, regions has just had their christmas party over zoom and they all dressed up and they had a competition for the best dress at dressing up they all had their glass of wine and mince pies and had a laugh and a joke and uh, a sing song and everything through zoom so it's still possible not quite the same but it's still been possible for some i did something similar graham with my my local car club um uh, across here in wales and uh, uh, it was very good actually really really enjoyed it um and uh, certainly, um, it it was nice to be able to um, to see everybody. I think there was about fifty people on the call, so it was nice to be able to see everybody that we hadn't been able to meet up with for a long time. Yes, I've I've found on the Zoom calls this year with the regions and uh, dealing with guys like Steve Daniels down in Oxfordshire and also Ian Newman, you know, down in Sussex. At the end of those short presentations, we always do a Q and A. And we end up talking about so many different things, you know, not just our road cars and our lives, but we end up sharing a few tales of daring do and also some of the pressures that people have been under. You know, some of our members have been locked down literally since March due to health issues. And those meetings and greetings and that bit of fun at the end of some of those conversations has actually gone on longer than the presentation. Some of it quite irreverent, actually. But that, that's been an enormous amount of fun for me personally, just meeting so many people in so many different parts of the country, all of whom share the same passion, as Wayne frequently says, but all of whom have had a different set of challenges. So it's almost been like sort of shared agony aunts on some of the evenings, but great <laughs> fun nonetheless. I think you're right, Richard. I think one of the things we've, we've, we've discovered throughout, you know, the, the challenges of this is, is actually, you know, the Zoom has enabled us to talk to far more people than we would have done in, an, in a normal year. You know, I, I've, like you, I've done several presentations for different regions around the country that I just wouldn't have been able to do with my normal business life. Travelling to the region just would have prevented it. You know, so it's been great. And I think the more that we can get that message across and actually continue to look, to use this technology as yet just another vehicle that we connect with members and enable people to talk to each other who are quite distant from each other. You know, I think, think it's been a real learning point for all of us at the club. And I, I think we're going to benefit from it in the future, without doubt. It's been great. And of course, Ray, there's the financial savings which have been quite surprisingly large. I don't know about you lot, but when I uh, used to spending about 300 quid a month on fuel, and I think in the first four months I spent £35 on fuel, you know, it does bring it home, the differences. And, of course, for the club, not paying expenses and hotels or anything, makes a big difference. Yeah, it's going it's to help us fund a lot of things in the future that we want to do. It's great. I mean, you're Michelle. talking everything changing. I've got to just bring Tom in here, Tom Robinson. It was interesting. We went and did the circuit day in um, Castle Coombe recently, where Tom was present giving lap rides. And, and as those listeners who listen to the podcast regularly, they know that apart from my commitments to the club, I also manage this young superbike rider called Ollie Warren. And I said to Ollie the day before he we went to Castle Coombe, I said, Have you never considered racing, you know, four wheel racing? 
no, nah, I just can't see it. He said, it, it, you know, he said, on a bike, you've got that massive commitment, you've got that massive freedom. It's just not, you know, it just undo it for me. So that, I unfortunately couldn't go down to Castle Coombe at the last minute due to the fact that I'd been in contact with somebody who was suspected, thankfully didn't have C-19. And that evening, Ollie phoned me from the car and he said, God almighty, he said, I can't believe it. I said, what? He said, I've got massive respect for racing drivers. He said, I got in the car with Tom and he said, on the bike, you know, you're leaning over. He said, you, you hit the brakes hard. He said, we went so far past the braking zone. He said, I thought Tom had forgotten there was a middle pedal in the car. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. And he said, I've just got huge respect for these guys now that race big cars like Jaguars. Because he said, really, you know, we're, we're worlds apart, but actually, what a massive talent. So there you go, Tom. Big That's really, really interesting because... I was actually quite worried about taking him out in the car because I thought, well... <laughs> you were looking forward to terrifying him. Well, trying, but I assumed that, um, exactly as he said, being on a bike with um, obviously feeling the full wind force at that kind of speed, I thought it's very hard, I feel, from a passenger perspective for, to get the, the kind of emphasis of speed, if that makes sense. So, um, And I think he went out in the Project 8 first as well before we went out in the, in the old XJ. So I thought, well, this is going to be a little bit interesting to see if we can uh, show him how far it was and uh, I think uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the video content but we had a, a couple of cold tyres so it was a little bit slippy so uh, yeah he did seem to be enjoying it so I'm really pleased yeah I, I can agree it was slippy Tom was trying so hard to show me that uh, I could be scared in the passenger seat of a race car that at one point I saw the track ahead through the front windscreen and then the tyre wall, and then the other tyre wall, and then the track ahead again, which I was very pleased to see that had returned to the windscreen view. <laughs> I tried not to scream. Uh, I thought I did very well at containing my emotions. And even Tom said, oh, that was a bit interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> but that, that was a problem, Wayne. There was no reaction, so I was trying harder and harder to get a reaction. Well, it wrote off a pair of underpants, sadly, so that was the end of that. No, well done, Tom. Good effort on that one. I'm glad you two guys got on so well together. It's, it's really great to see more and more young people taking an interest in the club. And I know you do a great deal, Tom, towards helping promote that with people. And we're starting to see more and more younger people realise that they can invest that they can invest in a nice triangular and not necessarily have to spend a lot of money. So the more that we can get that message yeah. to the markets, the more important it is to keep growing the club and keep it strong with future generations. Mm, absolutely. And worth mentioning, of course, that we do have a full programme of track days planned for 2021, where you too, listeners, can come and join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club and try your car out on track. And we have all sorts of fantastic venues lined up, like Castlecombe, like Blyton Park as well, which is a fantastic circuit if you've never taken your car out onto a racetrack before because well basically you need to refill with fuel before you hit anything if you come off it's that far a runoff area so um lots of opportunities to enjoy your car with the jaguar enthusiast club that way uh, in the coming year andy with my sponsor's uh, hat on, I now have to say, and of course, there's plenty of Jaguars for sale and lots of racing cars and tips can be had at swallows-jag.co.uk. Well covered. Is that why we say other Jaguar specialists are available? No, we don't. No, no. No, no, okay. <laughs> I can say that because Swallows are my local garage. I'll be there anyway. So um, <laughs> you talk about things that you've done in this car and Andy couldn't believe it, but I have actually cleaned my car this year. In fact, I think I've cleaned it about three times, which would never have happened without COVID. 
Which which products did you use, James? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they're all called Maguires. Thank you. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, James, to talk about that a bit more because there was a big moment for you this year that I've actually just forgotten about until you said that, which was you bought a Jaguar again because you were driving around in some crappy old Mondeo or something, weren't you, at the beginning of this year? That's a bit hard. The missus still still hates the fact that I've got rid of that Mondeo. It was a good car. But no, it, it, you know, it cars, I have a tendency to kill cars. There's no other way to put it. I, I, it's very rare that I actually end up selling a car. You kill other people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Should we talk about the X-Type gearbox at the beginning of the year that you managed to kill? <laughs> I, I can vouch for that one. <laughs> James, I, th I think you've just found that 6,000 subscribers will never accept an offer of a lift from you from the summer. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I, I get a reputation. All I did was park it on the hill where I was living at the time, and I got it in the next day, went to drive, and it made this horrible clunk. I can't tell you how horrible I felt. You know, it, it was. I wanted. That's a couple of times this year. I wanted the, the earth to swallow me up. And one of them was at this certain. I can't remember what was the event. Wayne Salon Privé, I believe it was. And it uh, was. Um, yes. All these lovely I, I, Lamborghinis and Aston Martins and Jags, all wandering away. There was a blower there that drove past me without needing a jump start, and. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It, it, yes. I mean, that, that Salon Privé was a great event to be able to get out because it was the first one we'd been able to go to. But, but Wayne, you have to educate us here. There's a continuing theme here and that every time you turn up, it's icy cold and windy, <laughs> and, you know, it really, it really was, it was great to be out. But, you know, those of us who were sat outside selling raffle tickets and promoting the club, you know, it really was. We needed our Antarctic thermal gear on that day, pretty much. I think I used up all my weather powers at uh, Blenheim in 2019, I think, uh, having the sunshine we had there. But, yeah, I mean, I did come with the XJS roof up just to try, because if I put the roof down, it will definitely rain. But I tried to keep the roof up for everyone's sake, but it had not much difference, really. It was cold. Um, but I suppose it was because it was the end of September, wasn't it? This was another effect of covid here we have events where normally you'd be sipping champagne out on a sunny terrace pushed so late on in the year that you're there almost in the middle of winter it feels like trying to be uh, all dressed up and enjoy your champagne but uh, Salon Privé was a good event for that an idea uh, Ray why don't we get uh, Wayne to do Blenheim 2021 uh, from from Zoom we beam him onto the big screen and he's not actually there on the day. So the weather be beautiful, Ray. I don't think we, we could stand his 40-foot headphones on the screen somehow. No. No. I'd have to put rude messages on my little sign behind me just to, uh, just to get revenge. <laughs> Your little sign always reminds me of the, the opening sequence to Faulty Towers. <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, while we're on the theme of cold, Kathy's only been to one event, Castle Coombe, and guess what the weather was, Wayne? It was very cold, and it rained a little bit as well. And funnily enough, I had a camera on. I think it's cameras. Yeah, I mean, Salon Privé was one of the highlights for me for this year. And one of the best highlights was Andy dashing up to me, asking me to help him to judge the cars that we were going to put forward to Salon Privé, and him saying, uh, you know, that we, help me judge these cars. And we went through in a very systematic and fair way, and we looked at all of the vehicles that were on display, 
came up with a list of the pros and cons for each and we came up with two finalists and then i saw the horror on your face andy as they asked for you to go up onto the stage to give the award away as and and the fear of you being asked exactly why you chose those cars in great detail i didn't want to have to turn around and say oh because i like blue (laughs) that was a, a great example actually of a member who joined the jec got straight into club life sort of threw himself into it and then with almost within a matter of months he he was on he was winning awards at salon privé we interviewed him on the podcast he's one of our heroes now and what a beautiful xk120 he brought out to come and see us and and it's it's an example of someone getting really involved early on isn't it he had a fantastic story to go with that car. The fact he that he'd restored it himself. He'd built, he used to be a, a, an airline uh, pilot and he'd built in um, a piece of one of the airlines that he had he had flown that had been dismantled. He built that into the car. I thought that was fantastic. And it was his first meeting um, that he was, first JEC meeting that he was coming along to. And, and like you said, he found himself up on the stage at Salon Privé um, being given a trophy. Um, and he absolutely, absolutely loved it. And I think that, you know, that's that's something that we can build on in 2021. We've been invited to be the uh, the special club of choice uh, to celebrate the E-Type uh, 60th anniversary um, at Salon Privé on the 5th of September, I think it is next year. Um and, and we were get, we're going to have some spectacular cars there, and we're going to have the courtyard and and outside the courtyard at Blenheim Palace as well as the celebrated club. Mm. You know, one of the things that people ask me all the time about car clubs is why should I bother to join a club? And there are loads of different answers you can give to that question, but one of the great answers has got to have been the example of that XJ12 that also joined Tim up on the stage at Blenheim Palace in his XK120. He was he was the next car behind. Let's be honest, unless you'd been involved with a car club and you'd come to the display that we'd arranged with Salon Privé as their guests, you'd never have got that car onto that stage at Salon Privé. You'd never have got the access that we had. And there's lots of different answers to that question, why join a club? That is a pretty good one because you get access to stuff and your car gets starred in stuff that you wouldn't normally get anywhere near. Yeah, you're exactly right, Wayne. We, we had 100 cars on the stand at Salon Privé. Mm. And to be fair, the standard of those cars, any of them could have, you know, could have been content. Well, they were all contenders to go up mm. on stage at Salon Privé, but particularly a, a great story with that chap as well. Um, he co-owns it. And the, the parents of the co-owner uh, were in the back of the car when he drove up on, on stage. His, his friend, the co-owner, is away with work. Um, so that's a nice story as well. It just made their day wane completely. Yeah, yeah, a nice moment, that. And something else, uh, just talking about other, those other Jaguar models that wouldn't normally get their moment in the limelight, was the NEC Classic Motor Show that would normally happen in November this year didn't happen. Instead, they had a virtual show, and we went down to Jaguar Daimler Heritage Trust to shoot those videos. And the whole premise of those videos was given really some of those more affordable models in the Jaguar lineup, their moment in the sun. And James was there with his brand new XF, 
explaining how he uses it with his family and then brings it to club events and and breaks down uh, <laughs> uh, but the, the the point was we do have this fantastic breadth of models in the jc that means that you can come into jaguar ownership at any point and at any budget you can be a part of this great community we have and your car is a perfect example of that isn't it james it is uh, I, the following weekend after we did that filming my car was full of rubbish to go to the tip with the seats down and uh, and just as muddy and as grimy as it was uh, before I gave it the clean to go and do that filming. And, um, yeah, you know, one of the joys about being involved with the Jaguar Mark is there are, you know, that's still being in production, that they all go through this cycle of, of value and of life. And um, it doesn't matter where you are in that value, you know, whether it is, your, you know, your, your couple of hundred pound XJ or X-Type or, or S-Type, whatever it is, you know, it's it's still a Jaguar. And, it, you know, some people use those opportunities of the low price to, to get involved and, you know, realise a dream. And, you know, my, my brother had a, an S-Type for a short while and it was just fantastic to see the smile on his face when we went to pick it up. He was like, it's only cost me a couple of hundred quid. And he got a couple of years of great motoring out of that car. And it was, you know, and that's really what the club's about. as well. It's just allowing people to enjoy that, you know, enjoy getting behind the wheels of a Jag, which is, you know, it, we're British, it's a British brand and there is that special connection there, really. And it's it's always nice when you see people take it, and and that filming was was a really good day with the XJ, uh, yeah, with Dave Marks's XJ40, uh, Greg's X Type, and um, and that 308 as well. You know, it, it was a lovely breadth of of different types of car and used in different ways, but all of which were under a, a particular budget. I think it's worth a bit a big thank you to. Um, Jag Daimler Heritage Trust because they let us use their um, their workshops on the day. Why did they let us use the workshops on the day, Wayne? Just just uh, when that passed me. Yeah, because it was raining. Um, oh, that's it. Because it was raining. There we go. There we go. Again, it was raining. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. The other thing I did wrong that morning, knowing that it was going to rain, of course, I wore light trousers to film in so there i am presenting with light trousers and yet anyone knows light trousers just show up any water on them so yeah it was a bit of a yeah uh, is there is there any there. truth in the rumor that next for next season's jec racing instead of tom looking at the weather to decide whether whether he should bring wet weather tires he's just going to ask his wayne coming <laughs> <laughs> well actually tom you're quite nifty in the wet so maybe i should come to more rounds it might help you out tom you're going to end up sticking something on spotlight saying you know it was waning oh. <laughs> 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 how terrible was that <laughs> have to say just echoing um uh, James's points on you know how people get together with lots of different models. I sold one of my Jaguars in the middle of the year this year. I had a four-liter Sport Automatic, which was quite a nice car, but an X308, um, which I long story I won't bore you with how I got it. But I decided it had to go, and a chap rang me from the very deepest, darkest north of England, came to look at it, came down on the train. I picked him up from Norwich Station, and uh, off we went. Had a look at the car. And it took almost, I won't, <laughs> I know he's a member, so I won't embarrass him, but he, he took quite a long time to make the decision. And um, anyway, the car was immaculate. It had never been smoked in, despite my love of cigars. And um, it was sold, and we did the dastardly deal, and it was parked outside of my friend's garage, you know. And about 45 minutes later, my friend came in. He said, um, your bloke has just bought the Jag. Is he okay? I said, why would you ask? He said, well, I can't see him 
because the car's full of smoke, but he's obviously still sat in it. And I walked out and opened the door, and he'd already worked his way through about 20 Marlboro Reds in there, you know, my previously immaculate X300 full of cigar ash. And I said to him, is anything all right? He said, I've never driven an automatic. <laughs> it was like a 350-mile journey north, you know, and I... I said, seriously, yeah, he said, I, I, he said, I've tried a couple of times. He said, but I can't get it in gear. And I said, well, you have to have your foot on the brake pedal, you know, and stuff like that. So basically, um, I gave him three laps of the local industrial estate in the passenger seat, you know, clinging on to the alive in case he didn't use his left foot by mistake and shot me out through the windscreen. And with that, I said, no, I think, I think you're in great shape now and wished him a cheery farewell. But I never did find out from David Marks if he got home. <laughs> <laughs> so the point I'm making about that with James is if there's anything about any model that you need to know about, just look through the forums, just pick up the phone to a fellow member. You know, if you've got plenty of money, ring Tom Robinson. But I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end, yeah. I saw that time, I've seen your invoices. They're a remarkable work of fiction, but I love them. They're really great. <laughs> no, I'm fully your leg. You're doing great. Your invoices just went up, Richard. By yeah, the way. That just got a 900 pound air filter on that one, I think. <laughs> No, the, ne the network that we have within the club, the membership that is there, the specialists that write for the magazine and uh, all the forum information, all levity aside, it's a remarkable, you know, you said earlier, what do I get from a club? You get 15,000 people's experience. That's one of the things you get. And that's, that's worth more than money will ever buy. And Graham, you and I discussed early on in the podcast, when we look back on the history of the Jag Enthusiast Club, just how it started. And that is how it started. It was a group of people into Jaguars who weren't of the elite sort of XK ownerships. You know, they were people using these cars or restoring them or bodging them in some cases in those days to use every day, weren't they? That's absolutely right. I, mean, I had a, a 340 Mark II version and I couldn't run it. it. It needed work and it was off the road for the first three or four years of the club. Well, I had a Jaguar. That was all that mattered to me. But yes, it wasn't about money. And in fact, it was the opposite because it was about helping people keep their cars on the road as cheaply as we possibly could in those days because you didn't have the internet or anything. So, you know, if you wanted decent, sensible, correct advice, you had to go to a car club. Uh, and it worked very much from, uh, you know, for those first few years. Uh, and interesting, the, same, the level of experience is greater now because the model range is greater. I, I admire greatly the people that look after the modern cars because they are so much more complex. You know, my 1958 Mark 8 is a relatively simple beast, and virtually all the 60s cars are, are very, very similar. So it was an easy task then, but now it is it's quite complex. But the, the attitude is still the same. We're still, you know, there's still a fair few of us that were around then, still within the club, and we still have that attitude, and uh, we still help members as much as we can wherever we well, as a relatively young member, I came to the Jaguar Enthusiast Club some 10 years ago because I'd bought an XJ40 for the princely sum off eBay of £730. <laughs> and it was my daily car. Uh, sadly, it succumbed to the dreaded uh, bulkhead rot, um, and in the end it died. But these cars are still out there, aren't they? And you don't have to have tens of thousands of pounds to come and join this fantastic community that we all enjoy. Absolutely. It's, um, it, it is very interesting how they're no more expensive now than they were then. I mean, you know, talking to Tom earlier about a, an X-Type I've got, £1,500 will buy you a really nice Jaguar. It may not sound right, but it does. 
and well looked after and everything else. So you can um, do it and you can keep with the advice that's out there now. You, you can't look after them yourself so much as we used to. Um, but of course, people don't want to do that anyway. Over the years, I've noticed it's so sad how people join the club after they bought yes. the car. To yes. me, it's so important mm. to um, join your car club, whatever your, your make of interest is, and then um, find out more about it from them with totally unbiased opinions, technically and, and value for money, etc. Um, even down the tyres and things like that. You know, where do I go for this? What do I do for that? I mean, all joking to say, when I was putting your leg just now about invoicing, I know several people who, you know, have dealt with you down at Swallows and also, you know, spoken to your father on occasions. You're more than happy if somebody's, you know, looking to get into the Jaguar market. You're more than happy to spend time with them, aren't you? And just run them through the model range and really give them the depth of your experience because you are a very experienced independent dealership now these days. Yeah, absolutely. I would never turn a phone call down for someone to just phone up and run some advice by. So there's a lot of information on the forums, but sometimes it can get complicated. There's a lot of different model variants, a lot of different years. But no, absolutely. We always try to advise people the best as possible on, on a model that's suitable to them as well. Um, I think that's a point that hasn't been brought up a lot of the time. Um, people think uh, a petrol is is not necessarily the best choice because of, of how much it costs to run when actually a lot of time they're they're cheaper to run than some of the diesels if you're not using them as much. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We would never, ever turn down anyone to phone up for a half an hour call to run through all the different model variants and advise as best as possible. And no. I think there's a lot of other people in the club that would also help out and do the same. Good. Excellent. Well done. Thank you on that point. Yeah, it's true to say that something we hear often in the club is, oh, I wish I'd have known that when I bought mine. Or why can't, couldn't I find cars like that when I was looking? Well, the simple answer is, is because you need to join the club first. Then you'll find the network of cars for sale. Andy, you can also find out about tyres as well, can't you? I don't know if I mentioned it, but we've got an <laughs> offer with Pirelli. I'm not sure if that came across previously, Wayne. But it's a fantastic offer. Check out the website uh, and, and the magazine for that, uh, that, uh, that offer exclusively to members. And uh, unfortunately, I have to go now because I've got a call with uh, with Shell and there will shortly be another uh, uh, offer for members, which will be a fuel offer. Andy, Andy, I've got to say to you, Andy, as a bloke involved in sponsorship all my life, I have to credit you today with immense talent because I think in an hour and 37 minutes, you have mentioned every single com commercial partner that we have within the JEC. So very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he forgot SNG Barrett. but They were at the front. They were, they were at, the, at the top about events. Well, Andy has done a good job at getting together all of the sponsorships that really create not only the underpinnings of the finances to make all of the membership benefits happen, but also the membership benefits themselves. And he talked about Pirelli there. Of course, we did them with Maguire's as well. One of the key things to have come out of this year is our technical seminars. We had two brilliant ones from Pirelli and Maguire's. We actually got to look round the Pirelli Technical Centre. And it goes back to what you were saying, Ray. This actually, this pandemic has thrown a lot of challenges our way, but it's given us the opportunity as well to get, I think we had something like 150 JC members registered on the calls with people like Pirelli to go and look round. Yeah, absolutely right, Wayne. And I, I think you know we've 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 had to learn a lot of things very quickly, as you as you well know. But it's it's been really interesting because we 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 had a pretty good look around that technical centre, and we didn't have to drive there. It was it was fantastic, and 
you know, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll carry on doing everything on Zoom and we won't need Jaguar ownership. <laughs> oh, 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 no, we shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I'm looking forward to next year where we'll have a few more seminars like that with some of our other partners uh, and get to look around the, 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 the back lots of some of their, uh, their premises because I think there's some really interesting stories out there um, for our members and and people can can access them from anywhere in the world and I think that's what's come home to me a lot over the last six months is we've been contacted by people so far afield as a result of either the magazine or or this podcast you know we've you've had people from Texas you know we've had emails in from people in New Zealand and from Italy and places that we've never really had much contact with before and it's really brought us all together as a much much bigger community it's been great yeah i must say hello to all of our listeners in america i know there are lots of you because i get messages from you most weeks and especially to uh, gt joey who sends me messages regularly on the podcast is an avid listener and a big jc supporter from across the atlantic so uh, a big hello and a big merry christmas to all of our listeners overseas Wayne, just worth mentioning, and Ray mentions Italy, that shows the reach of the club, that we've only just this last month or so set up a new Italian region. Um, a very, very enthusiastic member, Fabio, Fabio Berardi, uh, very well known in Italy, he's written Jaguar books, um, has suddenly uh, started the region for us, and already we've got quite a lot of members coming in um, based on his enthusiasm, uh, and there's a lot more he wants to do. And obviously spreading around the world, particularly as Ray says, with the things like Zoom, we can do much more for them because we used to, or we've done lots of seminars in the past, but they've been restricted to 70, 80 people in a building in England, whereas we can still do that, but of course we can uh, uh, open it out to uh, members around the world. So there's a lot of uh, scope for improving uh, the club benefits for our overseas members. With people like Fabio out there being so enthusiastic, it could be quite an exciting time. Well, there's lots to look forward to in 2021. Let's go through each of our own hopes for the new year then. Let's look forward to the year that's about to happen. And start with you, Tom. Uh, I imagine there's a trophy involved in your hopes for 2021, but give us one thing you're looking forward to in the next 12 months. Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like it's all I talk about is racing, but <laughs> as you probably know, where it is most of my spare time. But yeah, no, I'm really excited for the... Um, as Richard was talking about earlier, the, the new season with the classic touring car and the JC racing series, the direction that's going. Obviously, we don't know if, if we're going to have any spectators, but the fact that it's going to be streamed and everyone can finally tune in and see it, that's, that's something I'm really excited about, to be honest with you. Richard, from you. I think in a broad brushstroke sense, I just, like so many, everybody, I guess, just hope that 2021 brings a much brighter year for all of us. You know, there's a lot of people suffered losses and grievances this year as a result of COVID and I think what's been missing in so many of our lives has been so many of the things we've talked about today. We're social animals, human beings. We like to be in each other's company and enjoy like we've done today, you know, share some laughs, share a glass or two or whatever we do and I genuinely, genuinely hope that we, we see a light at the end of the tunnel for that because I think people have been very resilient. I think our members have as we've said a lot today, have been remarkable in the way that they've used our communication mediums and rallied around the club. But I look forward to a year when things start. I don't think it'll be a switch, but things start to open up and we can actually get face-to-face 
with the people that we enjoy spending so much time with. Kathy, I know you've got uh, lots to get to grips with over the next year as you sort of find your feet in your position in the JEC, but I know you've already been working hard on some exciting features, actually, for the Summer Jaguar Festival. So tell us what you're looking forward to in 2021. Really looking forward to Blenheim, definitely, and especially the Sunday. Um, we're organising a 60s fashion show. Um, it's going to be hopefully a mix of male and female models, uh, modelling all 60 outfits. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around it, and hopefully it's going to be a fantastic event. And how about you, James? From the office point of view, what are you most looking forward to doing in 2021? <laughs> Having people back in it to speak to. <laughs> um, ironically looking forward to getting out of it I'm, I'm looking forward to as Richard said I don't think it is going to be a switch I think there's going to be a gradual change back into events and getting out and about again but that that's what I'm looking forward to is is getting out to see many of the members that I used to see very regularly um, you know face to face at all these events and um, it, it's not been possible so so that is that is what I'm looking forward to is those opportunities Graham, broadly I agree with um, Richard and James, but I'll be purely personal here and, and uh, give a plug as well because in one of your um, newsletters in one of the spotlights, you advertised um, our assisted steering setup. And my Mark 8 I've, I've had for 20 odd years and struggled to get it on and off drives in parking spaces because they were not built with power steering and it's a two ton motor car. And now I've uh, gone and bought myself one that advert and i cannot wait to be able to drive my mark 8 without having to you know break the muscles or worry about uh, trying to get it through gaps anymore so you know, that will be a highlight purely selfish but that will be a highlight ray as chairman you've got a lot to sort of oversee and think about for the year ahead but um for the club in general and for you personally what are you looking forward to in 2021 um 2021 i think on a, a very simple level it would be nice just to get our region back together. I'm in Shropshire and Welsh Borders region and we haven't had a meeting like any others, you know, since since March. So it would be just great to get back down the pub and see the Jaguars in the car park and go and have a pint and maybe a pie to go with it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, I want to finish by thanking all the regional chairmen uh, and their, their colleagues who keep the regions going uh, and they've done a great job throughout 2020 and I know they're looking forward to the same thing to to being able to get out with people again in, in 2021 but we haven't talked about touring and I'm really looking forward to getting back out in in the car and going touring again you know and uh, we've got the spirit of the Entente which will uh, leave uh, for France we hope after after Blenheim and it'd be great to get get the Jaguars back on tour and, and get that community going again so that that will be my highlight if we, get, if we can get touring restarted you know I'll be really happy well this is episode 36 of the JC podcast released as our Christmas special on Christmas Day via the Christmas Friday spotlight in a week's time from this episode 37 will come out which is our touring special that'll be out with you on New Year's Day via Friday spotlight then so uh, we'll be talking to Pete Allen Kieran from Scenic Carters and finding out more about what we need to know uh, about touring of course post pandemic but also post Brexit that's in the next episode of the JC podcast and 
it's certain that there are challenges ahead for the classic car community over the next 12 months just as there has been over the previous year there are moves in government to speed us towards the banning of internal combustion engines in 2030 and we need to all work out how that affects us as classic car enthusiasts and make sure that we're protecting our freedom and right to use historic vehicles that represent our transport heritage on the roads in years to come and to preserve the supply of fuel that they will need to enable us to do that as well of course we've had the issues around e10 fuel over the last 12 months and uh, happily through the jc's membership of the fbhvc we've managed to campaign to make sure that e5 stays on petrol pumps as a protection grade for at least the next five years there are definite challenges for car clubs as well as we all adapt to the pan post-pandemic world and of course to changes in society and what uh, you the members want to see from a car club but like we have done over the last year we'll meet them head on with a cheeky smile and a bit of a laugh as well and we'll take you along for the journey via the jc podcast and for me what i'm looking forward to over the next 12 months is talking to more of you listening to this podcast finding out about your stories your passion for jaguar and perhaps introducing you to a few celebrities along the way so uh, we'll be back of course with a brand new series of the jc podcast in the new year until then Keep yourselves safe and well, enjoy Christmas and the New Year, and let's look forward to a fantastic 2021, enjoying Jaguars into the future. That's all for this episode of the Jaguar Enthusiast Club podcast. Don't forget to keep in touch with us here on the JC Podcast via www.jcpodcast.com. And you can get in touch with us very easily by using the voice recorder on there to leave us a message, or you can use the contact form if you prefer to write your messages. Don't forget, you can also join the Jaguar Enthusiast Club online by clicking the Join Today button on the top right-hand corner of the podcast page to enjoy all the benefits, plus the fantastic, glossy, 130-page monthly magazine that's all included in your membership of the worldwide Jaguar family that is the JC. This is the Jaguar Enthusiasts Club podcast. Subscribe for new episodes at jecpodcast.com.